Hello, welcome to 2021's Second Fellows Choice podcast. We will review the highlights of February's issue of the International Journal of Gynaecological Cancer. I'm Anna Collins from the University Hospitals of Leicester in the United Kingdom. And I'm Irina Cebulak from the University Hospital of Innsbruck in Austria. Gabba and colleagues present the protocol for the PROTECTOR trial, a prospective, non-randomised, multi-centre study, evaluating the impact of risk-reducing early salpingectomy with delayed oophorectomy in premenopausal women at increased risk of tubo-ovarian cancer. Eligible women can self-select which of the three arms they wish to participate in. Risk-reducing salpingectomy with delayed oophorectomy, risk-reducing salpingo-oophorectomy and the non-surgical arm. The primary endpoint is to evaluate the impacts of risk-reducing early salpingectomy and delayed oophorectomy on sexual function. Secondary endpoints include endocrine function and quality of life. The PROTECTOR trial aims to generate an evidence base with regards to risk-reducing early salpingectomy and delayed oophorectomy in high-risk women to inform future practice. Antonio Selechik and colleagues evaluated characteristics of patients with stage 1 to 3 hormone-receptor-positive primary breast cancer who underwent bilateral salpingoferectomy at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. The authors performed a retrospective review identifying these patients in their institution. Among patients undergoing ovarian suppression, 55% received medical ovarian suppression while 45% underwent bilateral salpingoferectomy. By multivariate analysis, year of diagnosis, stage and human epidermal growth factor receptor 2 treatment were predictors for ovarian suppression. Of patients undergoing bilateral salpingoferectomy, 5% mild to moderate adverse surgical events were recorded. Authors conclude that bilateral salpingoferectomy is frequently used and perioperative morbidity was acceptable. Daravala and colleagues from Maine Medical Center conducted a study to explore the impact of geography and travel distance on outcomes in epithelial ovarian cancer. The aim of this study was to test the association between travel distance to a high volume commission on cancer center with mortality and survival for women with newly diagnosed ovarian cancer. The National Cancer Database was queried. The primary outcome of interest was overall survival. There was no statistically significant difference in 30 or 90 day mortality among any of the travel distance categories. A statistically significant decrease in 30 day readmission was found among patients who lived further away from the treating facility. The adjusted regression models demonstrated increased long-term mortality in patients who lived further away from the treating facility after controlling for potential confounding. Although 30 and 90 day mortality do not differ by travel distance, worse survival is observed among women living over 50 miles from a high volume treatment facility. Preci et al. from Universidade Federal da Fronteira Sul in Brazil conducted a review to explore the impact of oxidative damage on cervical cancer progression, as well as the main oxidative markers and therapeutic potentialities of antioxidants. The incorporation of human papillomavirus into the cellular genome 
leads to the expression of oncoproteins. The pathogenesis in the cellular microenvironment is characterized by the generation of oxidative stress, which is the result of an imbalance between reactive oxygen and nitrogen species. Such imbalance leads to promotion of oxidative damage, demonstrated by the elevation of serum markers resulting from the oxidation of proteins, membrane lipids and cellular DNA. Thus, it has been suggested that the determination of levels of oxidative damage, as well as enzymatic and non-enzymatic endogenous antioxidants, has a high diagnostic and prognostic value in tumor progression and the establishment of invasive carcinoma. Rehab Alhabi et al. from Imperial College London published an article entitled Ovarian Sex Called Stromal Tumors, an update on clinical features molecular changes and management. This paper covers all you need to know about this rare entity that usually appears in the first two to three decades of life and includes several tumour subtypes of variable histological features and biological behaviour. The authors provide us with an update on the clinical presentation, molecular changes and management of the disease. The authors stress that surgery remains the most effective therapeutic approach for management of both primary and relapsed tumours, while adjuvant chemotherapy can only be used for advanced or unresectable disease due to the toxicity and limited efficacy of this therapy. Beyond that, hormonal therapy appears promising for relapsed tumours, however further evidence is required. And finally, there is still an unmet clinical need for the identification of targeted therapeutic agents in the management of aggressive and recurrent disease. Blanca Segara and colleagues from the MD Anderson Cancer Center present a case of a 48-year-old patient with an adenoid cystic carcinoma of the Bertelin's gland treated with surgery plus adjuvant radiotherapy due to positive margins. The authors used the case to further our knowledge of this rare entity of vulva cancer. These tumors are slow-growing but are locally aggressive and have a high recurrence rate. Although there is no standard recommendation for the treatment of this disease, one should aim for a margin-free resection with sentinel node biopsy. Radiotherapy should be recommended in cases with narrow positive margins. In terms of locally advanced cases, neodymium chemoradiation followed by no surgery or less radical surgery should be discussed to avoid large exenterative procedures. Finally, the authors remind us that as we learn more about the oncogenic mechanisms of this rare tumor, molecular tests and gene-targeted therapy may be developed to achieve more precise management of the disease. Chung and colleagues report their results on the impact of subcutaneous negative pressure drains on surgical wound healing in ovarian cancer. The authors retrospectively analysed two groups of ovarian cancer patients according to the presence or absence of subcutaneous wound drains under suction. The primary endpoint was the incidence of wound complications. A higher rate of clear wound healing and a lower rate of seroma formation were observed in patients with subcutaneous drain compared to patients without drain. Time to adjuvant treatment was significantly longer in patients with wound complications than in those with clear wound healing. The authors concluded 
that ovarian cancer patients undergoing open surgery with subcutaneous negative pressure drains had a reduced incidence of wound complications compared to patients treated without a drain. McEachern and co-authors conducted a retrospective study to assess the survival outcomes of patients with MSI-high PICO stage 3 to 4 endometrial cancer treated with hysterectomy and adjuvant chemoradiation versus chemotherapy alone. In this multicenter analysis, the two groups were homogeneous. There was a trend towards greater pelvic recurrence in the chemotherapy alone cohort, while the most frequent location of disease recurrence was the abdomen. The median progression-free survival was significantly better in chemoradiation group. Chemoradiation demonstrated superiority over chemotherapy alone in terms of two-year progression-free and two-year overall survival. Authors concluded that improved survival of chemoradiation over chemotherapy alone in patients with MSI-high advanced endometrial carcinoma warrants future prospective evaluation and supports the investigation of radiation immunotherapy combinations. Bish and colleagues present a systematic review and meta-analysis evaluating the efficacy of preoperative pharmacologic thromboprophylaxis on the incidence of venous thromboembolism following gynaecologic oncology surgery. Eligible studies included both open and minimally invasive surgery. The random effects pooled odds ratio for incidence of postoperative venous thromboembolism was 0.59 with 95% confidence intervals between 0.39 to 0.89. Preoperative pharmacologic prophylaxis demonstrated the greatest benefit when utilised with both intraoperative and postoperative sequential compression devices, conferring a 57% reduction in odds of venous thromboembolism. The authors conclude that preoperative pharmacologic thromboprophylaxis decreases the risk of perioperative venous thromboembolism for major gynaecologic oncology surgery. And finally, Valeria Verdecchia and colleagues from Italy present an educational video on the ultrasound, microscopic and histological features of borderline ovarian tumors. This educational video includes case presentation of a patient with serious borderline ovarian tumor and a patient with mucinous borderline ovarian tumor. The application of IOTA at next model and ORES risk classification to both clinical cases is demonstrated and ultrasound features and the final histology findings are discussed, providing an excellent overview for the clinical practice. And that concludes our February Fellows Choice podcast. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for listening and we hope you tune in again next time.